Welcome to another week of study here on the Radio Bible Course. We're studying Hebrews chapter 10, and last week we left off with the end of a paragraph ending with verse 25. I want to commence our reading with verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together, as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Most people are familiar with verse 25. Someone may have quoted it to you to encourage you to go to church. Oftentimes we use this to encourage people who say they are Christians but don't want to go to Christian meetings. I think this verse has primary application to Bible classes as we know them today and to Sunday school, but not so much to a church service. The writer to the Hebrews wants to encourage Christians to get with other Christians. Now, what for? The answer is in the verse, to encourage one another. When you go to church, do you encourage anyone or does anyone encourage you? Now, there are some people who say, well, just seeing other people in church is encouraging. Well, that may be true, but I don't think that's what the writer had in mind. The early church was a talking church. People came and spoke about their faith. They exhorted one another. They talked about what Christ meant to them. They talked about their trials and their tribulations and they encouraged one another to stand fast in the faith. Now, we do that in Bible classes more than we do in church. In some churches, you dare not speak. There's no opportunity to do that. But in Bible classes and in Sunday school classes, there is opportunity because they expect dialogue, and that's where we can be encouraged by other Christians. Now, that means we ought to go to Bible classes prepared to encourage. And we perhaps ought to be praying, Lord, help me to encourage someone. Prepare me for this ministry of exhortation or encouragement. I said Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 is not primarily a church attendance verse. One truth forcibly taught in Hebrews is that God does not care for repetition and ritual. And if that's all you have in your church, then I think you're missing something. The purpose of this verse is to meet with Christians for encouragement, both for you and for them. The authorized version says, exhort one another something more easily done in those smaller home meetings of the first century where dialogue prevailed with teachings and with questions. I remember when I was at Penn State as a young Christian, I needed the fellowship of other Christians, and I had visited some mainline churches and found that people had a cold formality. I didn't find people interested in learning the Bible. I went from meeting to meeting to see if the Word of God was being honored. I knew, somehow I knew, that's what would help me to grow as a Christian. I was a bit discouraged, and one Sunday afternoon, I walked across the campus and I heard singing, coming from the building known as Old Main. 
It was the central building on the Penn State campus. And I looked up, and I couldn't tell exactly where it was coming from, but I decided to go up into that building and try to locate those Christians because they were singing songs with which I was familiar. I climbed the stairs to the third floor, and there was the YMCA. There were a number of students seated in a room on the floor, apparently having a good time, but I soon sensed this was not the group that I heard singing. So I proceeded up another floor, and there I found about 15 young people, Christians, in a Bible study. They had been singing at the beginning of that study, and there I found Christian fellowship. It sustained me in those early years at Penn State. There was exhortation from them and a good Bible teacher, and I began to grow. Now may I say this, if a meeting doesn't encourage you in faith, hope, and love, you might want to look for another meeting. There are churches that have leaders who teach the Bible. They are sincere and they know that the Word of God will help people to grow in Jesus Christ. But there are other churches where there is little regard for the written Word of God. And in those churches, in a subtle way, the sermons will erode your faith, and soon you too may doubt the record which God has given us. Avoid those churches. Some of them say that the Bible came from man, that it is fallible because men wrote it. But Peter wrote that holy men were moved by the Holy Spirit when they wrote. Some churches say that the Bible is not true and not trustworthy. But Jesus said, Thy word is truth. Some church leaders say that the Bible has errors and contradictions, so it can't be trusted. But Peter wrote in Second Peter chapter 1, We have a more sure word of prophecy. There are many scholars that say that Moses did not write anything. Jesus said he did. There are pastors who preach on social, political, and economic issues, and people become very worldly wise. But Paul told Timothy to preach the word. If you aren't encouraged in church to believe God's word and to wait for the appearance of Jesus Christ as he promised, and to follow Christ's only law of love, then find an assembly of believers that promotes these basic essentials. But don't rely only on Sunday meetings to give you this. Meet with other Christians at other times, at lunches, in home Bible studies, and other kinds of meetings. The Lord considers these things important, else the Word would not give them such emphasis. He wants us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me ask this. Are you stronger in faith today than you were a year ago? Do you love Christ more? Does he mean more to you? And another way to measure our growth spiritually is this question. Do you love the world less than you did a year ago? Now, at the rate you are growing... How long will it be before you can comfort 
exhort and teach other people. Your church ought to be doing that for you. We are told to encourage one another, and especially so as we see the day approaching. Which day is this? Some say the writer was referring to Christ's return. Others say he was referring to the destruction of Jerusalem, which Christ prophesied in Luke chapter 21. Listen to it. I'm reading from Luke 21, verse 5. And as some spoke of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, As for these things which you see, the days will come when there shall not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And they asked him, Teacher, when will this be? And what will be the sign when this is about to take place? And he said, Take heed that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for this must take place, but the end will not be at once. And in verse 34, Jesus continued, But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a snare, for it will come upon all who dwell upon the face of the whole earth. It's possible that the writer was still referring to another day, the, the day that Paul talked about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, when he wrote, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. This is an event that apparently takes place in a single day. Is that the day he was referring to? We can't be sure. Let's move on to the next verse or the next paragraph, beginning with Hebrews 10, verse 26. Here comes a warning concerning the rejection of God's Son. It's a controversial passage, and it's one of the most difficult in the New Testament. I hope we can shed some light on this passage and make it more understandable to you. It reads, For if we sin deliberately... After receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful prospect of judgment and a fury of fire which will consume the adversaries. A man who has violated the law of Moses dies without mercy at the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the man who has spurned the Son of God? and profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, and outraged the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. There was an occasion some thirty years earlier when Peter and John told the Jews at the temple that they killed Jesus in ignorance. 
Then Peter reminded them of what Moses wrote in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 and 16. And I want to quote that passage. It's found in Acts chapter 3, verse 22. This is Peter speaking. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet from your brethren as he raised me up. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul that does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. This was a prophetic warning from which there would be no escape. To either accept this prophet or be destroyed indicated the importance which God placed on this person who would be one of the Jewish brethren. We know him as Christ. Peter identified him as the Christ, and so did the other apostles. If those Jews who heard Peter's warning did not change their mind about Jesus, and to change the mind means to repent, there would be no hope for them, only the judgment of God. And that is the meaning of sinning willfully or sinning deliberately, as we have in verse 26. I'll explain that further in our program tomorrow. I'll be here and I hope you'll join me. If these radio courses are encouraging you in the faith, so will our teaching tapes. We have 25 similar courses on cassette tape. Most of them are verse-by-verse studies of New Testament books. Write for a free list of teaching tapes. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.